Welcome to episode two of the Geek Culture Happenings podcast. I'm your host, Marcos Canales. And it was a pretty busy Sunday for me as I checked out both Avengers Endgame and watched the latest episode of Game of Thrones. And since two big pop culture moments happened in the same week, I wanted to just share my initial thoughts on both. Um, So I'll start with Avengers Endgame. I thought it was good, and it was a very satisfying ending to this part of the MCU. But for some reason, I didn't love it as much as I thought I would. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that it truly was the second half of the Infinity War story. So I think that in some ways it may have lacked what Infinity War had. Um, But again, that's not to say that it was by any means a bad movie. I was just expecting a little bit more oomph that I felt like I didn't quite get from this this installment. But I just want to go through the things that I did like. So I did like the fact that it was a little bit more character-driven than Infinity War. I think Infinity War had a lot of the good action beats, and this was more character-driven, a little bit more emotional. I think a big theme and motif during Endgame was parents and kids and the emotional... Uh, connections that they have and the love that they have for one another and whether it's Tony and his daughter or Clint and his family or Tony and his father we had all of these moments where they were really driving home how you're willing to do what you need to do for your family and how losing your family weighs on you and protecting your family is paramount and I think that really did resonate and I think that made Endgame way more emotionally satisfying but I think the trade-off was the lack of action I think that with the exception of the big final battle which is another thing I really liked it just didn't feel like there was a ton of super crazy set pieces that we've come to expect from some of these types of movies. And again, that's not a a bad thing per se, but maybe one of the reasons why it's just not as highly ranked, in my opinion, than Infinity War, some of the other offerings, is because I I was maybe expecting a little bit more of that. But like I said, I did like that final battle. It was just a great visual seeing... Captain America facing off against Thanos and then all of the returning Avengers come and back him up and coming through their portals and from all over the world and it was just a really cool visual that I think a lot of people were waiting for. I've never been a big comic book person so for me it may not have been as emotionally satisfying as maybe it was for some other people who have been dreaming of seeing that kind of shot in these kinds of movies for a long time but as a casual observer of comic book culture and superhero movies even I have to tip my hat to that because it got the point across it was again very visually striking and it it worked for me and seeing them work together to try to get the gauntlet to where it needed to be and 
just those team up moments felt earned and I know it was a little controversial but I like that shot of all of the female superheroes teaming together I can understand how that can seem a little pandering to to female viewers but for me at least I thought that was a pretty cool moment that I felt was genuine um well I'm okay the how genuine it could truly be I guess is debatable um, if you feel like it is pandering, I can see how that you may not feel like it was genuine. But for me, it was something that I didn't know I wanted to see until I saw it. And when I did, I was like, that's pretty freaking cool. Um, so that's just from my perspective. So the final battle definitely made up for that lack of initial action and set pieces that maybe I had been looking for. As always, I think it had a lot of good MCU humor, and I think the type of humor that this franchise has made its bread and butter really does work for this particular uh, these particular movies. I think it doesn't quite work when you try to force it into other ones, like, say, The Last Jedi, which is a movie I also really liked, but the humor never quite felt Star Wars-y to me. It felt very MCU. But when I see those same kinds of jokes in endgame it worked so things like fat thor that worked for me even though it could have walked that line of being a one note joke and making thor into this this slovenly loser i think they really did a good job of making us understand that he had ptsd he was depressed and it's not just a visual gag that it really did add to his character and they did it in a a funny way but also a real way and in a somewhat respectful way as well so i think that they're always able to walk that line and be very successful and there were just some other funny moments like them talking about captain america's butt that's just a funny a funny running gag that had a good payoff and that's the kind of stuff I expect from the MCU. And I thought all of the humor worked like it, it tends to, for me at least. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, Endgame was a good way to wrap up both Tony Stark and Captain America's arcs. I think they both had the right endings. Even though I think a lot of people assume that maybe the ultimate roles would have been reversed, meaning that Captain America would have been the one to die. Tony Stark would have the would have been the one to move on. But I think when you really think about it and see where they were going, the way it it wrapped things up felt felt correct. It felt the right like the right call. Tony, who started off as a very selfish, egotistical person making the ultimate sacrifice for all of humanity um that that was a good way to wrap up his character arc and similarly captain america who his whole character has been built around serving others and being this selfless character the the polar opposite of tony stark finally doing something for himself and being happy Again, that that felt like the right call, and it subverted those expectations. 
And I think when you subvert expectations, you run the risk of alienating your viewers. And I don't always think that subverting expectations means good per se, but I think this was a situation where it really did work. And it was poetic to see the final shot of this 10 plus year storyline being Captain America with Peggy and dancing having that dance that they've been waiting for for years and years and years and having them kiss. And I know that there's been some debate about the lack of romance, genuine romance in these kinds of movies. And to bring that back to a very iconic archetype of the super soldier. Again, it was, it was fitting and, I couldn't help but think, though, that means that he made out with his real niece, grandniece? That's going to be a little bit weird. And I think that's a good segue into some of the stuff that I really didn't care for as much. And I think the number one thing is the time travel component. And it by no means was it a surprise. I think everyone had an inkling that time travel was going to be the solution, but Time travel is a tricky storytelling device because in some ways it creates more questions than answers. And I think they did a good job of trying to nip some of that in the bud by explaining that when you go back in time, nothing really changes because those events still happened and your present becomes your past, so it really can't change. And the explanation worked for me initially. And I don't even know if it's a time travel that annoyed me. I think it was the time jump that I have more of an issue with, the five years later bit, because I think that's where it creates more, I don't know if they're plot holes per se, but loose threads that just irk me. And, you know, I was kind of joking about the... the the agent, well, I forget what her her real name is, I apologize, but, um, you know, the, the grandniece of Peggy Carter and Captain, Ro- or Captain America making out, and technically that could really be his, his blood relative now, because he went back in time and married Peggy Carter, which makes that moment interesting, but again, that wasn't necessarily the truth back then, so I guess technically I can't use that as a, a as a means to criticize the the decision but going back to the time jump that's probably what I have more of an issue with particularly when it comes to Spider-Man because I think we're expecting we're expected to think that 5 years have passed but he's still a high school student and that makes me wonder about how far from home is going to work because things just don't quite line up and it it just doesn't, it's not as clean as I guess I would have liked it to be. And some people are saying, well, that just means that all of his classmates or half of his classmates disappeared and they're going to come back and they're just going to be high school students as well. But then that means half of their class who didn't disappear have already graduated and went off to college and what about the teachers like what happens to them when they have to 
those teachers who didn't get dusted, they're supposed to go back five years to teach this class that that just reappeared out of nowhere again. Because I don't think that the last five years didn't happen. They still have all of the knowledge of the last five years. And they're just expected to just be okay with everything being quote-unquote back to normal. And maybe I'm just getting too lost in the weeds when it comes to it all. But time travel, like I'd said, can cause more issues than, than solve them. And I don't know if it, if this is a situation where the time travel ruined the timeline or ruined the story. I just think that it created more, more questions for me at least than I was expecting. Could they have done it a different way? Could they have told the same story without time travel? Maybe. But when they made that choice, I feel like they did a decent enough job of again, kind of cutting off some of these questions before they're even asked, but it wasn't a perfect, a perfect story by any means. So that was probably the biggest issue I had with the the movie. Well, I, I take that back. I think the, the thing that I had the most issue with was Scarlet, not Scarlet Witch, um, Black Widow's death, because it was a little too reminiscent of what happened in Infinity War where the optics just didn't look right when two female characters are thrown to their deaths for the betterment of humanity I guess if you want to call it like call it that it just it was a repetition that I felt was unnecessary and I just don't know if the ends justify the means because like I like I said having two strong female characters be sacrificed for the stone uh, it's it's not a great look but I also think that it causes more questions going forward and I guess that's a good segue as well so what do where do we go from here we all know that Black Widow has a movie coming up is it going to be a prequel are they going to somehow resurrect her like they did with Gamora and take her out of time and have her be displaced and have to deal with being in a whole new timeline not a timeline I think they're in the same timeline but a new time period are they going to do that? If I had to if I had to pick, I guess I would be more interested in seeing a prequel story. And it doesn't have to be a pure prequel where we go back to her as a kid in the the Russian ballet red room stuff, which I think could be interesting. I just like the idea of her doing a spy mission and you don't necessarily need to have that present day you can have that a few years ago and still make it work if it's just a pure spy thriller as opposed to a movie that has to be a part of this larger fabric because not all of the MCU movies ultimately add something to this 
greater arc. There are some that feel a little bit more standalone. Obviously, Incredible Hulk, which is an anomaly in, unto itself, but um, I think the first Ant Man could be kind of seen as a a standalone, although Pym Particles played a, a huge role. So maybe maybe I'm not giving all of the other twenty one movies enough credit in terms of them being part of the bigger tapestry but I think you could have and maybe this is more of a Netflix style approach where it's just an MCU adjacent movie where it doesn't necessarily have any impact on the the current timeline and it's a side story that still works in the grand scheme of things who knows but I think her death does cause a lot of people question, you know, I think that it makes them wonder what, what is going to be next. Like I talked about with Spider-Man, how are they going to rectify that time anomaly? Are they going to just brush it under the rug and say, oh yeah, it's just five years later, we're going to pretend like nothing happened? Although I do, I do think that it might be a prequel as well. Part of me really does think that this was before, uh, after the events of Homecoming and before the events of Infinity War. I I kind of have a feeling that's where they're going to go with Far From Home because it just seems too weird to have a teenage high school kid who was zapped from existence to be brought back and just go on to a summer trip study abroad program like nothing happened and again maybe i'm not giving uh the storytellers enough credit i'm picking nits and pulling on those loose threads a little too hard but it's a little bit interesting to me that this mega franchise that's been credited with having such almost perfect storytelling still has these questions looming. You would you would think and hope that they would do their best to tie up all the loose ends, and I think they just created more than maybe they were expecting. Or maybe they are expecting these questions, and they're going to have answers for us. I just don't know if I see any that will feel earned, but we'll have to wait and see. And I'm also interested to see if they're going to be the Avengers going forward. I I personally would like this to be the end of the Avengers story. The last chapter, the book is done, and we'll move on to a whole new thing. And I think the Ultimates could be pretty cool. Uh, a good way to do that where it still feels like it's the same story, but it's going to be a little bit different. You're going to have different characters leading up the group. You're going to have hopefully maybe a more diverse cast of characters uh, come together. But I don't want it to feel like it's just a JV version of the Avengers. Let it be its own thing. Uh, and I think a good way they could do that would be by rebranding this part of the MCU as the, Ultimates, uh, the ultimate saga or something like that. Or maybe now that they have X-Men and Fantastic Four, maybe we're in... We're in for the Illuminati. Who knows? But I, I'm, I'm excited to see where they they go with it. But I'm also, in, in the spirit of honesty, uh, 
I think I'm okay if this is it. Um, I obviously know it's not going to end. Disney and Marvel are not going to just stop making these movies. But since I do feel like it was a satisfying conclusion, I don't know if I really have much much investment or that much interest in seeing anything going forward. I think they can do some interesting things with these newer characters, but there is a part of me that feels like I went on this 11-year journey. I like the way it ended. Let's just let's just call it a day. Um so I think Far From Home will be a good indicator of how I feel going forward. I've been honest about having a little bit of a superhero fatigue. So maybe that's why right now I feel satiated and I'm okay with the idea of not having to make these movies appointment viewing. But maybe they'll surprise me and maybe they'll get me back on board. But right now I feel like I'm okay with with where we ended and where we're at. Um, But some final thoughts. Again, it was a very entertaining movie. It was a good end to the story. But it does feel like it was a piece of a whole. And I think it would be really interesting to watch Infinity War and go straight into Endgame to see if they meld um, meld very well and, and makes it even more of a consistent story from beginning to end. So yeah, those are my thoughts on Avengers Endgame. And it was not the only big pop culture thing going on like I talked about earlier. Uh, Game of Thrones The Long Night also took place. And a side note, also season two of Cobra Kai, but that's another episode. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit about The Long Night. Again, some initial thoughts. Uh, I think overall it was a great spectacle. It was a, a visually stunning episode. But it was also a little underwhelming, and I think that's because it was just one long battle scene. It didn't feel like there was a ton of plot, which is okay. I don't necessarily need a ton of plot, but it was just a prolonged battle sequence. And I think when you do that, you run the risk of it not necessarily feeling like it's a complete story. And that's kind of how I felt. And... We'll get into a little bit more of some of those negatives, but I always want to start on a, a positive foot. So the stuff I did like, like I said, it was very visually appealing. It was great looking. Some of those shots, especially the aerial battles and that moment where the dragons fly above the cloud line and the moon. and It was just a very pretty episode of television. I also think the library sequence was pretty cool where it just turned from an action medieval battle movie into a horror film. I thought that was very effective, and I thought that was a a great use of um, pacing, and um, it made it more than just nothing but but a, a battle, which I know I complained about a little bit before. I do have to give the, the episode some, some credit for punctuating some of those moments, uh, like the library sequence, so it wasn't just nonstop action. And that was a very effective way of them using a different genre, different tone to make it a little bit more interesting than maybe it had any right being. 
And there were some emotional moments, too. Uh, we lost some characters. Um, I think the most important character death that happened in this episode was Jorah's because he did what he went out doing what he wanted to do. He wanted to be the protector of Daenerys, the love of his life, and he would do anything for her. And he did the ultimate sacrifice and protected her and gave his life doing so. So I thought that was probably the best way for him to go out. And I felt like it was a satisfying end for him. Now making that transition to some of the things I didn't like as much. Going back to the deaths, we did have a lot of characters die. Jorah, Lyanna, Mormont, Beric, some other people that I maybe I'm just not remembering their names right now off the top of my head. But I think the main players overcame too many odds. We didn't really lose any of the starting lineup. We didn't lose John. We didn't lose Daenerys, Arya, Jamie, Brienne. Even some of the bench players like Grey Worm made it through. And while I don't necessarily think that stakes equals death, I think you can have stakes in a, any story without it automatically going to someone having to die. But in this situation where they were fighting off this unstoppable horde and all of the major players made it out okay, that was a little bit suspect in my opinion. Especially when you see Brienne and Jamie being swarmed by like 10 white walkers or whites and they fought them all off and they survived. And I don't know if you needed to kill a ton of major characters off, but at, at least one. And I guess Jorah is a major player, but it wasn't done in a way where you felt like he was being overwhelmed necessarily by the threat. While others were being overwhelmed and they still somehow got, got through. Even Podrick made it through, I think. I don't think Podrick died in that episode. And maybe that's diminishing Podrick's abilities just a little bit, and that's not necessarily fair. But I was expecting more casualties and more meaningful casualties, and we did not get that. And it did feel a little bit like a cheat, to be honest. Also, the way the Night King met his end also felt a little bit underwhelming. Um... And it's not because Arya was the one who did it. I'm not the kind of person who is an MRA who's insulted by a strong woman doing heroic things. That's not it by any means. When I first saw it, I thought that was like, I remember telling myself or thinking to myself, wow, that was a pretty bold move. That was a pretty cool move. And it wasn't until I started thinking about it and stewing on it when I started to come to the real realization for myself at least that I appreciated what they did in that moment but it also felt like something just was off and I guess it's because I was expecting John to have this epic showdown with the Night King and him being the one to deal the fatal blow because I felt like that was the story they were trying to tell up until this point. And I acknowledge that 
Arya has been training for this moment for the last however many years the show has been on. And I'm not trying to take that away from her because I think when I took a step back and realized that and I was listening to other podcasts talk about stuff like that and reading online that this is what all of her training was supposed to be going towards. That makes sense. I get all of that. But I'm a pretty casual viewer when it comes to Game of Thrones. So I'll be honest, I didn't remember all of that. I just remember the last season and a half of story where John was so adamant about fighting the Night King that it felt like that was his mission. That's what he was on this earth to do. And the fact that he didn't have that moment was a little unsatisfying, at least for me. And maybe if I go back and watch the entire season again, or series again, and have more appreciation for all of those moments where Arya was training, I'll feel better about that. Because, again, even the creator said this was the way it was supposed to end. And I get that. I appreciate that. I don't know if that adds up with the story that they were telling, at least John's story. And that's what I'm going off of. I just felt like everything was coming towards that moment, and we never got it. <laughs> and it, that's why it feels a little anticlimactic. Um, so yeah, that's that's the stuff that really didn't quite jive for me. And again, where do they go from here? I think that taking out the Night King in, in this point of the story wraps up some things, but then also creates, again, like I was talking with Endgame, questions that we have. And I don't know if... Because it does feel like now that he's off the board, does this mean that we're going to have less fantasy elements and go back to more of the human political drama? which is what this show was initially popular for. I don't know. Uh, and I think that we'll probably see less fantastical elements. But is that going to hurt the show in any way? Like, I, like I'd said, I think like this show is... Its bread and butter is the more human element, the political elements. And we're going to get back to that. I think I'm okay with that, but I also feel like a big part of this show's identity might have been sacrificed, but we'll see. Um, and like I'd said, I don't quite know what, what John does now. Where does he go from here? It felt like everything he was doing was to face off with the Night King, and that's no longer an issue. That's no longer his purpose, it seemed like. Is he going to claim the throne since he's the rightful heir? I don't think that's really what he wants to do. I don't think that's what he's all about. I do think that there's still some interesting stuff to tell when it comes to John, particularly when it comes to that conflict with Daenerys. I've always thought that it was going to come down to those two and that Daenerys was going to take him out because she's the ambitious one. She feels like this is her birthright. And he's just another hurdle for her to clear. And 
I think that runs the risk of alienating a lot of people because she's been one of the heroes of this story and for her to make that turn could leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths but I could definitely see that happening and another potential outcome that I just recently thought of because I was trying to catch up with a lot of the story before I started watching this season there's that chance that it might be Gendry and Arya on the throne when it's all said and done um we'll have to wait and see on that that would be pretty cool too so yeah some just final thoughts again I thought it was an amazing technical episode it did feel me it did leave me a little unfulfilled uh, kind of like Endgame, I feel like this is a piece of a whole rather than a standalone episode. And very similar, like I said, with Avengers, I'd like to watch A Night of the Seven Kingdoms and then go straight into The Long Night because I feel like those two episodes together will feel like a cohesive whole, much like watching Infinity War and Endgame. So yeah, those are my thoughts on both Avengers Endgame and Game of Thrones. Again, this wasn't a deep dive. There's a lot of great resources if you want more in-depth analysis of these uh, movies and shows. I just wanted to share my initial thoughts and how I felt about uh, about Endgame and The Long Night. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Geek Culture Haps. And until next time, take it easy, everybody.